0: drops back, Bates to the left, pressure on, and he goes down! JaGarrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Caught the 5! He went through Marcus Dale's
1: hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind, to catch it, and step out of bounds
0: at the 5 with 20 seconds to go! Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone! He caught it! Touchdown, Tigertown! Brandon Banks! How did he do it uh will brandon banks get into the end zone prop bets anyone week one in the (laughs) cfl welcome to the breakdown and thank you for being here as always he is at dt on sc i am at tsn underscore marsh we are the breakdown and we are canadian football perspective which is brought to you by our good friends at fox 40. are you geared up for game day head over to fox40shop.com for fox 40 gear whistles and coaching boards use the code cfp15 at checkout for 15% off of your order and of course don't forget you can get yourself some ice cold beer to go with your CFL football return. Use the promo code on sawdustcitybeer.com, just punch in CFL and that'll get you free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping available to Ontario residents only must be of legal drinking age. Hello and welcome to week number 1 of the CFL season. Now uh, we have been waiting for this moment for a long time when I joined Derek Taylor right here On the sports cage, of course, over there on 620 CKRM in Regina, Saskatchewan, earlier on today as we're taping this on Tuesday night, you said, hey, what's going on? You excited? It's great to be here in week one. And I said to you, I honestly have a hard time right now wrapping my mind around the fact that we actually get games, like a full slate of games, because I woke up on Monday morning and it helped that it was a holiday Monday for us in Ontario and various places across the country, but didn't have to do anything. And I woke up and I was just like, I went for a run, and then I came home, and I, I was in like a really chipper mood. And I was kind of like bouncing around the house, and I was like, "What the hell's wrong with me?" I'm like, "Why am Why <laughs> am I doing this?" And I realized, honestly, about noonish, I realized I'm pretty sure I'm like this because I feel normal. Like this is the first time that I've I felt normal. The CFL football is giving me a sense of normalcy here, even though it's not normal yet. Like there's still a lot of things that are weird about what we're about to go into. And it's going to seem more weird, the deeper into it, we get and even the gray cup months from now is going to be different than we've ever seen it before. But just being able to say, Hey, Toronto against Calgary, who you got, that feels normal to me. It's an amazing feeling. Oh,
1: it's, it's great. And it's been a long time to get here. And I tried to just kind of black out the last 18 months without CFL football. And, Now that we're here, I've not done nearly enough to prepare when you think of the amount of time that we had, Marshall, and we could have revolutionized Canadian football in the time that we had, but we didn't because there was a pandemic and we were trying to survive. Uh,
0: We were so close. We were so close to revolutionizing the game. Uh, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and blame my son, but it's like everything, everything else when you become a new parent. You blame your children and they just don't deserve any of the blame. He, it wasn't his no. fault. His mom does everything and anything that she possibly can to make sure that he is happy and healthy and all the rest. And I've just been sitting on my hands. It's like when I got the baby books and I was like, I am definitely going to read all of these. I don't have to go through a CFL season. Guess how many pages yeah. got read? Eh, about 60. And then I was like, ah, this seems easy enough.
1: You're like, this Dr. Spock isn't as fun as the Dr. Spock on Star Trek, so what the hell am I doing? Is that what you did?
0: Uh, It it honestly has been such a long time since we've been able to look forward and preview games that uh, I I thoroughly am looking forward to diving into a couple of things that uh, we find interesting about this weekend's slate of games. But before we get there, I I do want to go into kind of the news of the day, if you will, Mm -hmm. here on Tuesday. And that was the CFL's policy when it comes to all things surrounding COVID because like I say we are still heading into uh, how this is going to look and how this is going to feel and uh, the moves that the CFL has made in order to deal with COVID some people saying uh, catastrophic and heavy-handed and but you make up your own mind on this I'll give you my opinion in a sec but the statement from cfl.ca reads the Canadian Football League has introduced a policy that will apply to any game cancellations caused by COVID-19 issues quote Our goal is to ensure we have zero game cancellations due to issues caused by an outbreak of COVID-19 within our football operations, said Randy Ambrosi, commissioner of the CFL. While this policy spells out what will happen if cancellations do occur, its main purpose is to encourage all of our players to get fully vaccinated in order to minimize the risk to our season, and most importantly, their health and safety. According to the policy... If a game cannot be played as scheduled because of COVID 19 issues, which of course would be an outbreak within a team or otherwise, and one club is suffering from the COVID 19 issues or outbreak, that club that is suffering from it will forfeit the game and be assigned a loss, while its opponent will be credited with a win by the score of one to nothing. But if both clubs are suffering from the COVID 19 issues, then both clubs will forfeit the game and be assigned a loss. In both of these circumstances, if a team can prove that 85% of its players have contact, uh, sorry, under contract, wow, you know I'm living in a COVID world when, uh, (laughs) under contract have been vaccinated at least once and preferably fully, its players will receive their salary for the canceled game. If the team falls below that 85% threshold, the entire team will not receive its salary. DT, what are your thoughts when you got that press release?
1: Uh, I thought, okay, the CFL is taking this very seriously because they understand uh, we can't be, we can't reschedule games. We can't have Wednesday night football, the Steelers and Ravens. There's no equivalent in the Canadian Football League. So we can't be missing these games. I like that they're taking it seriously and they're using this as kind of a way to encourage teams to have have their players get vaccinated. I get uncomfortable and I'm this way in the NFL with part of this puts pressure on players to get other players vaccinated. Like, hey, I want my game check, my 3,500 bucks for this week. uh, So get vaccinated. That's not really a peer to peer conversation. I, I don't feel like that's puts a lot on the players uh this doesn't you know the coaches don't really have to do anything in this case because they get paid whether the game gets played or not but the organization would say lose money if a game got canceled so the organization should be the one putting pressure on players i.e their employees to get vaccinated and make sure that everybody has a chance to earn their money i just get uncomfortable when it's peer pressure hey uh make that guy get the vaccine would be a very uncomfortable conversation
0: yes and i have heard from somebody across the cfl that there was one team that had players get into it with each other not about a late hit or a dirty tackle about vaccines like they got in they got into it with each other about vaccination and wanting to make sure um, that they (laughs) one person was saying hey stop being a bleep 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 and the other guy said bleep you and then they got into it a little bit with each other and it was about that exact situation that you're talking about so that's not that's not made up hypothetical that is us understanding how human beings work and understanding the discourse that surrounds this issue for me I understand where you're coming from with the idea of it's an uncomfortable spot to put teammates in but any pressure that you put on somebody I'm of the opinion at this point because I'm so tired of the stupidity of dancing around it. And this isn't a political statement or otherwise, but the reality is that there are people that are in the United States right now who are on deathbeds, getting intubated, who are saying, can I have the vaccine now? And the doctors are going, no, it's too late. I'm sorry. Your family is going to have to tell you exactly how this ends because I'm not going to be the one to do it. And like the re- the reality, the stark reality of that. I mean, hell, we just saw Linjay Shell pass away apparently from COVID complications down in Jacksonville after, like, everything that he had accomplished in the Canadian football. Like, dude was 39, man. Yeah. It's like, if if you needed the push over the top to realize that it's the best way to protect yourself, Linjay Shell should be one A, one B, and one C. And you don't want to use that as an example to try and push people. Hey, look, he died for good. No, that's a terrible, terrible situation, regardless of the outcome. But if I'm a CFL player and I'm in my, my, you know, early thirties, mid thirties, and I see that happening, I'm like, man, like did I play with that guy? Was I around that? Like, did, was he, he was fully healthy. He was, uh, it just, it makes so much sense to me for the league to use the leverage of money and wins, the things that players and coaches and GMs care about money and wins, money and wins, money and wins and say, we got a really easy way for you guys to guarantee money and not forfeiting games and all you have to do is reach this threshold again i, I understand deeply personal decision but i'm also tired of the deeply personal decision hipaa rules yeah. dak prescott avoiding questions at his press conference like yeah. the, the whole dynamic of that to me is i'm done with it like because oh we, yeah we're a, we're a couple variants away from uh vaccines not having an answer for the things that we're up against and the best way to prevent that happening is to get the damn vaccine. And if players can be used as an example for that in our league and across this country, I'm, I'm so in favor of it. So I applaud the CFL for being able to take a hardline stance on this stuff and setting very real metrics and expectations. The verbiage that was used in this press release leaves no wiggle room. There's, there's nowhere for players to go, well, yeah, but, or uh, no." no, it's you don't reach this. An outbreak happens, an outbreak is clarified as this inside the team uh, language, then you guys are losing and you're not getting paid and that hits home very quickly.
1: What's worse on the internet? Is it people complaining about violations of HIPAA or people complaining about violations of the First Amendment? And then seeing (laughs) both of those from Canadians, to which none of those apply.
0: (laughs) They're American. Uh, yeah. yeah, and usually well, uh, the people that are complaining about both of those come from the same account, and their uh, their avatar on Twitter is a Ford Explorer driving an eagle. Uh, yeah,
1: so. <laughs> I, I I hate to say this, I'm I'm running out of compassion or caring when I see the uh, uh, COVID denier on his deathbed. I, I I have no feeling anymore. I just have no feeling anymore. Uh, I don't understand why someone wouldn't take the vaccine. I, the vaccine, I don't get it. I, I just, yeah, I want that to be on the organization and not player to player. Because yeah, if there's one fistfight, that's one, that's one too many. And team harmony and la, la la, that stuff is is incredibly important. I, I want them. I want the CFL to take the next step too of what the NFL is doing, saying. Oh yeah. By the way, if you have, if you're fully vaccinated, you can take your mask off here, and you and your teammates can eat lunch in the same uh, at the same table. But if you're not, uh, you're fired, Minnesota Vikings guy, and you have to eat in the corner, hiding behind the trash barrel, because we don't want you breathing on the rest of the guys. Basically, for folks who are vaccinated in the CFL, I want them to get some of the freedom back because their their life doesn't sound amazing right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the other thing that jumps out to me too is that the Um, you know, the spotters booths and the coaches booths and all the rest is, I mean, we really haven't heard anything about coaching staffs being fully vaccinated or not. Again, private decision, all the rest, but you're going to notice pretty quickly. I would have to think if there's somebody who's not in the booth, right? Like if somebody's in a different location, you're going to go, okay. And then you're thinking, well, what message are they sending to the players of which they are coaching if they're deciding to do that? And again, maybe they have personal decisions that go into this, but Listen, I, I've said it on this podcast. I got my second shot. I got a mixed batch because I said, I want to take the first one that's available. I don't give a damn what it does to me. I just want to make sure that I'm vaccinated because that's the most important thing. End all, be all, period, exclamation mark, whatever. It kicked my ass for 36 hours. I felt like yep. complete crap. I felt awful for a day and a half. I had chills. I was shaking. I had a fever. I had, And then the fever broke and I felt great and I've never felt more secure knowing that yes, I am fully vaccinated and that means something to me. I still wear a, a mask everywhere that I go. I mean, hell, I was in downtown Toronto the other day. I'm wearing a mask around as I'm walking by myself on the sidewalk and there's people that aren't wearing masks and they're giving me weird looks down there. I'm like, I don't give a damn if you're giving me a weird look. I ain't <laughs> taking this thing off until we are well through this. So yeah, I again, some people just have different perspectives on this stuff, but for the CFL to implement something that will drive, hopefully, some of the, um, the teams being safe from the outbreaks. I mean, I just, I can't imagine getting fired up for a game like uh you know pick a random match let's just say edmonton calgary right labor day edmonton calgary and uh edmonton has an outbreak because they don't have enough players that are vaccinated and that game is clarified as a loss and we just don't get labor day between edmonton Cal- can you imagine not getting labor day yeah. between the bombers or the riders or no. hamilton or toronto where it's just like it just it gets wiped off the schedule and it's a one nothing game covid everybody shrugs and we just move on past labor day. It's like, no, I I don't want that, man. That's unacceptable. So I'm glad that they went hard line with it.
1: I, I, I want to be the guy who, who susses out what coaches are and aren't vaccinated because you, you've played football your whole life. Coaches are always put the team first. It's the, it's the name on the front, not the name on the back. Yeah. If you're not getting the vaccine for the betterment of your team, are you putting the team first? No. So don't ever give me that lecture again vikings coach you can never <laughs> give that lecture again and expect to be taken seriously if you're not putting the team first in the middle of a pandemic so yeah. i just i've just run out of i've run out of feeling when when i see people i i, I can't engage online like oh the vaccine is this and oh, no 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 <laughs> not, not getting involved someone will call the show not getting involved
0: uh the thing that i found funniest the other day was i heard uh in a different podcast i believe it was the levitard show and they were talking with adam mckay who is an incredibly smart uh film director and film producer who also happened to make dumb movies like Step Brothers and anchorman but he also oh, yeah. does, he does things like vice and succession and he's got a new movie coming out called don't look up that's a climate change movie that he's turned into a comedy with jennifer lawrence and leonardo dicaprio and in this he's talking about climate change and all the rest and he goes there are many millions of people that are, are being affected, getting sick, and some of them dying in the United States because they just happen to have disinformation at their fingertips. Where you go to Alabama and Fox News is Channel 4 and any other news network is in Channel 278. And he <laughs> says, but you have to realize this. The people that are on Fox News, they're vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they're vaccinated and they're preaching against the vaccine. And, oh, by the way, Rupert Murdoch, who's the top of the, he's vaccinated. And, and he's running an empire that is appealing to your fears about not getting vaccinated. So it's you have to understand there's American players that are coming from that sort of disinformation society where things are just, it's this whole process and industry based around creating fear and creating doubt. And they come from that. So, again, I get it. But at the same time, if the CFL can use a little bit of money and wins as an influence to say, hey, forget about whatever the hell's going on back home. You're in Canada and you're playing football and these are the rules of the Canadian Football League. I'm I'm for it. I think that it's a smart move for them. So uh, we'll move on from that. But I did want to mention that off the top of the show here, because I do think that that's a, I didn't anticipate that coming out as a policy. I honestly hadn't got that far ahead because I'm so damn excited for the actual football. But when you you start to realize that the football could be affected by these things, it's like, okay, we need these things in place. So I'm glad that we have them. Uh, The CFL power rankings did come out. On CFL.ca, yeah. Derek, Derek's face immediately twists uh, when I say power rankings. Why did your uh, lip just touch your ear?
1: There are one, two, three teams I have a real problem with on this list and where they've been slotted. And we, we all have our own power rankings, but three teams are just – they do not in any way line up with my perception of them. Okay, so what half.
0: The, before we get to your overall rankings here, why don't you give us uh, the three that you call into question?
1: Okay. So, uh, the list is Hamilton one, Sask two, Winnipeg three, Montreal four, uh, the Elks in fifth, Calgary, BC, Toronto, Ottawa in, in ninth. Uh, frankly, I would put Ottawa in 12th. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just straight up facts right there. Like they are below 10, 11, not even anyway. Um, The ones I would take issue with, and there'd be three and a half of them, Sask in second, Montreal in fourth, Edmonton in fifth, and Toronto in eighth is way too low. I know they were awful in 2019, and they won four games and three against the worst team in CFL. But that roster, ooh, The story's coming out of Toronto about that defensive line just eating faces all over the place and Shane Ray opposite Charleston Hughes. And okay, well, there's Coney Ely on the inside. Oh, and by the way, here's two stud linebackers as well. Toronto is way, way, way too, let's just start with Toronto. Toronto is way too low in eighth. To me, they're the second best team in the East. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm with you. For me, I have them, Toronto at fifth overall and that might be hesitant that might be too low I think really highly of the west because I think it's super competitive and there's a lot of great players out there but I do have them second in the east as well my my problem with Toronto being slotted that low is that the defense we know I think at this point is going to make plays like I don't see them going up against Calgary and that receiving group that's trying to find its footing and Bo Levi coming off the injury in a diminished offensive line and some question marks all over the place on Calgary's defense, which is a different story for a different day, perhaps. But when I look at Toronto's defense, yeah, they're going to make plays. The question is, can Toronto score? And I think the answer is yes. And and that's where I keep coming back to is if you're going to discount them, there has to be a major phase of the game that you have some sort of doubt in the Toronto Argonauts. And I'm not saying they're a perfect team. What I'm saying is I have belief that they can get stops and I have belief that they can score. Well, if you can stop and you can score, why are you eighth? I mean, why, why are you down near the bottom of the pile? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think it, it was yeah. a hesitant rating. I also know how these CFL.ca rankings go. A lot of the time, the teams that make the big off-season splashy moves, they tend at CFL.ca to put them further down in the rankings. And I think part of that is it's a genuine hesitation to buy in on something before you actually see it on the field in game jerseys right with the the footballs polished up and the helmets looking shiny and all that game day stuff but at the same time you have to evaluate the talent that they have in camp and the personnel that they have there and then you have to make an assumption going into week one and if I'm going to make an assumption about Toronto it's it, again I don't have them better than Hamilton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan or Edmonton but I sure as heck I'm better than Calgary going into week one. And I think that Toronto's going to go into Calgary and get a victory in week one.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the real test, right? Like they are, they're a dog going to Calgary and that's entirely a winnable game. And how much that will be predictive of the rest of the season, who knows, but that's going to set a real tone. If Calgary's revamped offensive line can't contend with this front four, as it could happen. It's gonna change our opinion of two teams. So I, yeah, I'm with you. Toronto's too low. I, to me, Edmonton's a little too low in fifth. I think Edmonton is going to be fantastic uh this season, but that's that's fine. Like that's that's a that's a fine place for me. uh We've talked about many times before. Montreal in fourth. I I was trying to recap. I like a lot of Montreal. Uh, I love their receiving core. I like their offensive line. Fine. I like the additions to the defensive line and Nick Usher and Armando Sewell. I don't know what they're doing in the back six um, apart from, is Levels? Levels the the Sam there? Yeah. Might be, yeah. Apart from Levels, I don't know what they're doing with their two linebackers, but I, I like that they're going to be able to get after the quarterback. I like their offense should be fantastic. Uh, I just, I think their quarterback is, is going to be the issue. I think sophomore quarterbacks are... Aim for some hard learning this
0: season, let's say that. Yeah, and my thing with Montreal is if you have them in the four spot like CFL.ca does, that if they end up going through this week one bye as they will, which is an awful bye to have, man. There's nothing <laughs> worse. That, like, I know people say, oh, the worst bye you can have is at the end of the season when you're hot or you're trying to get ready for the playoffs. Or the worst bye you can have is a three-week training camp followed by a bye. Come on. Like, that, yep. is, that is just awful in terms of chemistry and timing and all the – like, do guys go home? Like, you, <laughs> no, no you, can't, you, you can't send them home. So now they're just like in Montreal, which got to admit as things are opening up, hell of a place to be on a bye week when you're hanging out at the end of July, start of August. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, how, what does that do to their early season connection offensively with Vernon? And how does he get off and running to start the season? And, um, and the thing that jumps out to me is if they're fourth and they don't play, and we see some great performances from teams like, well, I don't know, Toronto. If they go in and beat Calgary, they have to jump somewhere up into that mid-pack. Are you gonna keep in the next week of the power rankings Toronto behind Montreal before Montreal's even touched the field? And Toronto's gone into Calgary and gotten a dominant win. Like I just I feel like they've put themselves in a spot here where Montreal is going to be just kind of sitting there like a rock in the middle yeah. of teams that are starting to shape their identities a little bit and that's a that's a tough look i think for the judgments but give us your uh from the top down here dt what have you got for the power rankings then i'll give mine
1: okay uh let me just give you i just want to whisper you a little secret about montreal can you just yes. lean in and i'll whisper you a little yeah, secret? yeah 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 just montreal's gonna start <laughs> oh and three wow. Edmonton, Calgary, Hamilton are your first three games? Montreal starting in 0 and three and then let's see yeah. what they unless uh, what Calgary's
0: have. unless Calgary's worse than we think. Like in, unless Calgary gets rattled oh. unless Calgary gets rattled in uh in that Toronto game or if Bo gets dinged because Shane Ray ends up rolling up on him or something like that. None of us want to see that. But I mean if that happens, then did they decide on a backup quarterback? I didn't even see. Is it Jake Meyer or Michael O'Connor?
1: I just kind of, I mean, I just kind of worked on it being O'Connor. I've never seen them say anything about who their backup is. They'll have to declare it by Friday, Yeah. Uh, but I've just not seen, I've just kind of gone, oh, it'll be cool if we have two backup Canadians guys who were almost guaranteed to touch the ball in week number one, that'd be great. Uh, If I'm doing power rankings for the 2021 CFL season, uh, as I said, CFL is Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. I would have Hamilton one, And I, I, this is kind of looking ahead to the rest of the season, right? I wouldn't take them necessarily number one in week one because no Posey, no Addison, maybe no Van Zyl. Yikes. Those are three very important pieces, but overall, over the course of the season, I would take Hamilton number one. Uh, I just think Edmonton is too good and has added too much. And I, I don't have a reason to believe that Jamie Elizondo is unable to head coach at the CFL level. I think he's, Worked with the quarterback before. Uh, I think everything is going to be great there. To me, they've had just way too much talent. They would be number two if I was doing power rankings. And I would have Winnipeg at number three in the power rankings. And that could change dramatically, right, from week one to week two. If they lose Caleros, I would have them roughly seventh. But they, as of this moment, they have Zach Caleros. Zach Caleros is a fantastic quarterback who is accurate and strong-armed and keeps plays alive. And there are very few quarterbacks who elude pressure better than Zach Caleros. And oh, by the way, this is Winnipeg's offense, which if it looks like Lapo's offense, it'll allow no pressure anyway. So uh, Winnipeg, to me, would be number three. And I feel a little bad having them behind Edmonton. But uh, yeah, I would go Hamilton, Winnipeg, uh, Edmonton, Winnipeg. And then I would start considering Saskatchewan. But Saskatchewan, two. They've lost a fair bit of talent from the 2019 team just because guys need to get paid, right? They earned raises by being so good that I just don't believe they're the second best team in the CFL.
0: Uh I think that you might want to consider Saskatchewan in the top three just because Braden Lennius went vegan. I honestly that's uh for, for me uh, Pescatarian. <laughs> uh, fish. yes, yes, that's true. Well, I, I call myself vegan and I have salmon. Oops. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that they're their Canadian receiving talent and Jeremy oh, o- and Jeremy O'Day as so well, saying uh, that they can go for Canadians as they expect to on the offensive line. Um, I'm really, really intrigued to see what their protection for Cody Fajardo looks like and how Jason Moss calls this first game against BC. Again, we'll get into the previews of that coming up, but I just feel like there's too much Canadian talent right now on that offense. Let alone some of the pieces on defense that you like. That there's got to be there's got to be enough there. To give them an upper hand because i think you win in the margins a lot of the time early in the season and having a talented group of canadians and depth as well mm-hmm. on the roster of canadians that should give them i think that depth of talent at some important positions so i for me i'll just i'll shout out my top four here as we go down through the rankings yeah i got hamilton one and that's just because i think that again i'm with you if they don't have Posey and they don't have addison if it's just banks and and Acklin out there, and uh, we get to see the debut of Jake Burt, which should be really interesting on Thursday night, which nobody has talked about the entire training camp, but I'm excited for. Uh, you know, Nicola Cleans doing his thing, Don Jackson making his debut. Like, I think that they've got enough firepower offensively, and I know when Masoli's on that he can ring it up with the best of them. Defensively, they still got Jaguer Davis, Ted LaRon across the board. They're working in some of the younger pieces. They got Simone Lawrence. They got if Tande Adelicke is healthy. He's one of the best free safeties in the league. They've replaced, they've got good corners. They got Carriel Brooks at halfback coming downhill and making tackles. It's just it's a very complete offense and defense. Special teams, you might call into oh, question in yeah. the kicking game, return game, Frankie Williams. Like it's it's well rounded. It's well coached. It's they've got the motivation of the great cup. So I put Hamilton one. The only team I considered in that number one power ranking spot going into this was the team they're playing on Thursday night and that's Winnipeg and that's because I just have too much respect for the defense of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and if there's one team that I believe right now middle of the season in the Grey Cup doesn't matter that can shut down Hamilton defensively just strictly that matchup it is Winnipeg like they are built to just destroy you from the edges in and just collapse the pocket and force the issue and and I think there's there's going to be some issues with that coming up on Thursday, uh, as you mentioned with Van Zyl, specifically that that would be a major concern if he was unable to go. But even if he is able to go, it's a thumb injury that was listed on the wonderful new injury reporting on CFL.ca. Mm. And that's a tough one. If you I mean, you can wrap that thing up, club that up, whatever it is, as much as you want. But it's still you'd like to have normal usage of your hands whenever possible there at the tackle spot. So um, I, I got great respect for Winnipeg's defense. I put them two. I put Saskatchewan three. And the reason I do that is that I think that right now Moss gives me the confidence that Cody Fajardo is going to improve and his game's going to evolve enough uh, that I think that they can get over the top. It was really difficult for me not to put Edmonton three. To me, that's a coin flip. I I just, I think I know exactly what Elizondo and Trevor Harris and Greg Ellingson are going to try to do. I actually think that they might try to send a message here in week one and ring up like 60 pass attempts. Like, it feels like one of those games where it might be a ball control offense, but by the end of the game, you're going, you've got to be kidding me. Trevor Harris is, you know, 48 <laughs> of 60, and he's yep. gone for 420 yards and four touchdowns cool. with an inter- You know what I mean? It's yep. It might, might be one of those games where he doesn't throw the ball beyond 30 yards, and he ends up with more than 400 yards, and everybody around the league is going, okay, sure, I guess this is what we're up against in Edmonton this year, so... Um, so yeah, that's, that's my top four is Hamilton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and then Edmonton.
1: Here's my thing with Saskatchewan and having watched them all through training camp and here into week one of practice, they can go four Canadians on the offensive line. Yeah. Should they go four Canadians on the offensive line is the question that I keep getting, hitting myself with. They currently starters, uh, pardon me, starters on offense and defense. There's nine Canadians in the mix. I don't think yeah. there's any way they get to, Friday with nine Canadians in the starting lineup. There they do go two Canadians at receiver and bless Braden Lennius and Mitchell Picton. Those two guys work their butts off and they look fantastic. Uh they are replacing Jordan Williams, Lambert, Lennius, and Picton are replacing uh gosh, Naaman Roosevelt, Corey Watson, and Emmanuel Arsenault. That's those guys were not amazing. They weren't their prime selves, but those are three very yeah. nice receivers you have to replace. So to me, they've just, they've gotten weaker, even though I like these guys and I love Mitchell Picton's stick with it story and Braden Lennius with, I can't eat chicken wings. So I grunt through <laughs> some cauliflower when I go out with my family, fantastic stories. Lennius is a must take in fantasy. Uh, personnel wise they're not as strong as they were in 2019 in my mind coaching could be a whole different story
0: uh by the way cauliflower bites are delicious i got a great recipe oh, if you want it, in, in, in the blender you put a little bit of olive oil nutritional yeast some carrot and some sweet potato you blend it up you drizzle it over the top of the cauliflower bites 300 degrees you put it in the oven for 15 minutes you shake mm. the pan around Mm-hmm. Ah, it's delicious. It's good stuff. Um, I would say to your honest analysis of the Saskatchewan receiving room of Corey Watson, Manny Arsenault, and who was the third that I was missing there? Damon, fucking, yes, Neyman Roosevelt. Um, Mr.
1: Never Drops a Ball, Neyman Roosevelt.
0: <laughs> that can't get employed, apparently. Um, yeah. That I I don't think it's a zero-sum game. Like, I don't think that it's those three out and these three in, and we've gotten worse. I think that they can be a different group. And I, I mean, the, the touches are going to go through Jordan Williams, Lambert, Kyron Moore, and Shaq Evans—like that's going to be your peak three—and then the rest of the load will be picked up, I think, by Lenius over the middle. Honestly, like For sure. he's the guy to me that I really do think. And I we always talk about Armonte Edwards in Edmonton behind Darrell Walker and Greg Allinson. He could be the best number three receiver in the Canadian Football League. Could the best number four receiver in the CFL? instead of being Brad Sinopoli, who was behind names like Deontay Spencer, Greg Gallingson, Ernest Jackson, uh, Chris Williams, like Sinopoli was always like the third or fourth guy, but he was the best third or fourth guy because he was always open and always creating separation and always making great grabs. There's been a lot of hype about Lenius and I'm wondering if he can be the best number three, number four guy in the league where you don't need him to have 80 catches on the year. You need him to have 30 and to be really productive. And I could totally see him being that. So I think Saskatchewan's got a chance to produce offensively with them. I've I've mentioned Toronto at number five for me. I'll just rifle off my bottom here and why. Calgary, I have at six. I have a lot of respect for them as well. I have a ton of respect for Bo and what he can do with his surroundings. But I, there's just too many question marks. I just don't know yet what they're going to look like. And this is a consistent theme throughout my bottom half, other than really Ottawa, maybe including Ottawa, depending on how they start the season against Edmonton, is – If you can prove me wrong, I'm happy to change my tune, but I'm putting these teams in the bottom half because I just have too many questions. Like I know a lot about what Hamilton is. I know what Winnipeg is. I know what Edmonton's going to look like with Elizondo and Thorpe and all those guys we've talked about. I know what Saskatchewan's going to look like with Fajardo with the helm and being able to have a, a great defensive backfield. I don't know what Calgary's receiving group is going to be production wise, and I don't know what their pass rush is going to look like. So those two very important metrics for me, I I just kind of I'm sitting on the sidelines and I'm waiting to see what they do against a very talented Toronto team, as we talked about. Montreal, I have at seven. And that's because I believe that Toronto has leapfrogged them based on pure talent alone, without a preseason, without seeing them in a game. I just believe that they are the better team as it stands right now. BC at 8 because until you prove to me that you can protect your star quarterback, I'm not putting you in the top half. Because it's a lot of the same group with a different offensive line coach Kelly Bates. If they can up that, if they can improve and they can go into Saskatchewan using silent counts or, you know, the center reading the, uh, you know, Peter Godbear reading the play clock or something like that to get the ball up on time and it's clean and they protect him and they allow him to throw vertically to Brian Burnham, I'm in. I am. I'm all in. Yeah. But if you can't do that, I mean, it could feel a lot like 2019 for Michael Riley coming up real quick at Mosaic. And then at nine, I have Ottawa. And that's just because I think they're on the outside looking in. I just, I think there's too many talented teams in this league that have established talent that know how to play the CFL game. Ottawa has a lot of fresh faces. I hope the best for them. I'm interested to see where they go, but for me, they have to be nine.
1: I I got told this today by a CFL personnel player, not in any way connected to the BC Lions, uh, which then gave me fear about what's going to happen in Friday's game. Uh, BC, to me, their biggest question is, well, what does that front look like, right? Because it's Chris Casher, they let go; yeah. they must think they have something, but I have no idea who any of these guys are, apart from Jr. Tavai, who is a rotational defensive end. I, I got told that Obam Guachum is going to wreck the league a little bit. <laughs> And I have no idea who Obam Gwatcham is. When you and I are done here, I'm going to go Google him and find out because uh, this person told me that he is going to be a real problem. So I may have to call his name, unfortunately, two or three times with on, on the weekend. A young defensive end from BC. If their front is good, their back five looks fantastic. Uh, they add in Riker Matthews. Okay, well, the tackle is... Presumably solved, and if the interior is healthy, I like that. I like the receiving core a lot. You have Burnham doing his thing. You have Dominic Rhymes as he'll be one of the deepest targeted receivers. He's probably top three depth of target this year. Him, Shack. I'm trying to think who else will be in that mix. Davaris. I don't know who the third one will be, but there, there, there's potentially a lot to like from BC. I feel like if if you put them at eight, we should just be ready to move them up to four within a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that could one. could be really good, yeah. No doubt. Uh, all right, so that is uh, power rankings. Uh, we will post those up on at CF Perspective for you on Twitter and Instagram so you can destroy DTNI and i uh, once we look back after the weekend. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, dip, dip, dodge, dive, and uh, <laughs> try to stay away from all of the punches of the, uh, the Twitter fingers out there. Let's preview a couple of games here. This is something I think we want to do throughout the CFL season on this podcast, which is... We each pick two games and we each get to come up with something that we want to really zero in on when we're watching these games live and also uh, something that we think you might find interesting to lock in on while you're watching this game that really is the key. It's it's basically keys to the game, but it could be a storyline, it could be a statistic, it could be a matchup, but something that will get you closer to the game and open your eyes maybe a little bit to Uh, the way that DT and I see the game and are analyzing the game while we're trying to break this stuff down to bring you the best coverage that we can. So let's begin with Hamilton and Winnipeg. And for me, this one is really simple. It's Hamilton's tackles against those defensive ends for Winnipeg. I've been, I've been terrified of Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson ever since I saw the off season video a year and a half ago of them training together in Texas. And they look sensational from what I've seen the video of them in camp. Willie is he's in his prime. Like he's in his prime. He's motivated. Uh, Brandon banks got listed as the best player in the CFL, according to the CFL and TSN top 50 list. I had Willie Jefferson as the number one player on my entire ballot because nobody is as good at what he does as a motivated Willie Jefferson. And I've watched back the great cup from 2019, because what the hell else have we had to do uh, so many times in the last 18 months. And every single time in that first quarter, when I see him on Chris Van Zyl and Riker Matthews spin cycle or bull rush or up and under or ripping his arm through or Dane Evans is escaping the pocket. And for every seven steps that Dane takes, Willie Jefferson takes two and he wraps up his ankles. (laughs) Every time that I watch that game, I just come away with, I can't believe how good this guy is. And Hamilton obviously has taken a hit at tackle, losing Riker Matthews. They've backfilled the best that they possibly can, but that's the biggest question for me is, if Jeremiah Masoli tore his ACL against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for him to be able to come back, he says he feels 100%, I don't doubt that at all, I think he's looked fantastic, but if you start having tackles that can't protect you off the edge, I think really quickly, Jeremiah is going to be going, oh, this is what Dane Evans was dealing with in the Grey Cup. Now I get why we got beat up by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, And on the other side, aside from Hamilton's tackles, the thing that I just it's not a it's not a very happy anecdote, but it's one that I thought of actually while I was walking the dogs thinking about this game the other day is the last time that Zach Calaro started a CFL season. It was it was against Hamilton and it lasted four plays and he was done being a ride right and obviously that story led to him getting bounced in toronto and winnipeg and comes in and saves him and leads him to a great cup and all the rest i want zach to stay healthy as much as anybody else but there's a lot of sports psychology that goes into this first week and and for the quarterbacks i'm looking at masoli if his tackles aren't good how does he deal with that If I'm Michael Riley and I can't get protected, how quickly do I think, oh, my God, I can't believe it's going to be 2019 again, as the noise is just swirling around you at Mosaic. When it comes to the sports psychology side of things, for me, I look at Zach Kalaros and I think he steps out there for the first series. They take the ball just like Saskatchewan did to start the game in 2019, again, on a Thursday night against Hamilton. And you're looking across and there's Simone Lawrence. And everything that happened with Simone Lawrence in that game in 2019 and everything that happened afterwards, again, I'm not trying to crawl inside of Zach's head. I want him to stay healthy as much as anybody. I'm not predicting that he gets injured. I don't want him to get injured. I'm just saying if I were him and maybe I'm mentally frail and he's a much tougher person than I am, I would look across the line and I would go, man, deja vu. I feel like I was just here, but That was a full two-and-a-half years ago.
1: Yeah. I feel like whoever's directing the game for TSN needs the double box ready, right? One camera's on Zach, and one's on Simone on the first Bombers play from the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And and that's to me, that's where the whole Winnipeg season is, right? It's on Zach Caleros. If the Caleros plays 14 games, they're probably the favorite in the West. Here's an interesting
0: question for you, though, DT. First play of the game. Brady Oliveira is in the game for Andrew Harris, let's say. First play of the game, if you are Buck Pierce, you're the new offensive coordinator, you got the new quarterback, are you taking a shot to send a message on the night where the Grey Cup banner is being unveiled and you're putting oh, Zach yeah. back there in the pocket to rip it? Or are you going to hand it off to the kid and go, hey, Winnipeg, watch this, he's pretty good?
1: I If Darvin Adams is in this game, play action down the rail to the boundary. For Darvin, for sure, because that's not uh, uh, good lord. That's not Delvin Bro anymore. Yeah, I mean, I can't can't believe I forgot Delvin Bro's name <laughs> there for a second. Uh, uh, but Darvin probably not in this game. So uh, I, yeah, I, I I'm curious to see what Buck Pierce is because we know what Lappo was, right? We know what Lapo plus Andrew Harris plus Matt Nichols was. Yeah. But what is uh, Buck Pierce plus Zach Caleros plus Olivera Augustine, wh- yeah. whatever that is, um, I I want this one to go my way because this would go great in in uh, in uh, forwarding my running backs don't matter narrative. If Brady Olivera goes for 125 and catches four balls out of the backfield, mm, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a winner in this one.
0: I'm looking into my crystal ball and I am seeing on the first play of the game no play action required. It's in the gun. It's a five-step drop. And ooh, there's Kenny Lawler to the wide side on a corner oh. route. Ooh, maybe, maybe. Oh, I, like this. Uh, I think Kenny Lawler's going to have a fantastic year. So without Bryant Mitchell, retirement, without Darvin Adams, injury, uh, I'm looking at Kenny Lawler and thinking, maybe he's the vertical shot that they take early on in that game. It doesn't have to be the very yeah. first play. I just I think at some point in that first quarter, I love when teams are unveiling banners and they want to show off and they want to send a message. At the same time, you know that Tommy Condell offensive coordinator for the Ticats is dialing up something in that first quarter <laughs> specifically to try to get that entire building to shut up. Uh, he's yeah. going to he's going to try and dial so again that's the great that's the punch counter punch that we finally get back to analyzing here is when you're watching this game in the first quarter who's going to take the first shot and are they going to land it and if they whiff expect the quick counter punch come in the other direction with another deep shot or a trick play or a double I mean it's the possibilities are endless when you get these two teams together, as we saw in the Grey Cup. Uh, let's move on to the game that you will be calling out there in Saskatchewan. And First of all, let everybody know where they can hear the dulcet tones of Derek Taylor coming up on radio on Friday evening.
1: We'll be live online at 620CKRM.com and of course on the radio at 620CKRM.com. Uh, pre-game starts at 4.30. Saskatchewan time kickoff a little after 7.30. I'll be in the booth starting at 6.30, and I will be able to not contain myself by about <laughs> 7.20. Yeah.
0: There, there you go. I'm I'm going to be listening, honestly, because I'm excited to hear you call a game again. It's been way too long. But uh, once we get into said game, what is the thing that you have your eye on? So uh,
1: I, I got two of them. Uh, the first one that I'm going to watch is BC's defensive line against Saskatchewan's offensive line. And... Games are one in the trenches, blah, 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 blah. Um, Saskatchewan's offensive line is the biggest question mark that I have about the riders in 2021. Six, substantial, substantial changes from 2019 for Canadians, like we've talked about. How will they hold up? But two, BC's defensive line, if they can just cut Chris Casher that must be all right. Like Rick Campbell's not a moron. So that must be pretty good. If they are able to get pressure on Cody Fajardo from a a line of guys we don't know. And what I would perceive to be a weakness of the BC lions, it's, it's going to be a long night and uh, it could just uh, predict a good season for the BC lions. So that matchup and even the reverse of that matchup is interesting with BC or BC's offense and Saskatchewan's defense, but the the BC front four against Saskatchewan's blocking five with all its changes uh, is going to be very interesting. And then both these teams have question marks at linebacker in this game. For for BC, it'll be, I don't, it might be Bola Combo, Jordan Williams, and Anthony Chaffee. Chaffee, fine. I don't know what, I don't know what a Jordan Williams Bola Combo duo, if that's going to be it, what that'll look like for the riders it's uh micah tights at the university of calgary it's Dion Lacey and aj hendy who is brand new to that sam linebacker spot i i just expect both offensive coordinators to go oh, okay well let's see what these linebackers can do let's try them out we're gonna figure out where this ball is going i know what you guys have in the back because both teams are pretty solid in just those defensive backs but what about underneath what about we high low some linebackers what about we try this I really want to see what uh, Jason Moss and Jordan McSimmick have for your, for uh, the opposing defensive linebackers.
0: That's uh, an interesting thought because if you start trying to high load linebackers and you're trying to throw over the middle of the field, I imagine Ed Gainey jumping like a 15 yep. yard in route, right? Where you start you're you're zeroed in on. Well, let's just uh, throw these great shots in between the linebackers, and Gainey starts to read it. And maybe he gets an early season interception as well on this one. The the quick thing that jumps out to me with this matchup um is that Brian Burnham is obviously the focus of this group, but that BC Lions receiving group, every time you read an article on CFL.ca or the BC Lions website, Lucky Whitehead is in the end zone. Is that a training camp thing? Is that a fluke? It's the same as like Levina Well in Toronto. Every time you read yeah. a thing, it's like he's in the end zone again. You're like, that's great, but I haven't seen that in the CFL in, in games. So I want to find out if Lucky Whitehead is for real, and that's not going to be a one game or one quarter judgment. But that's something that I have my eye on: is how often do they actually try to get him the ball, and is it forced? Like these are called touches for him, or does he work into the offense organically, where you're getting through progressions and Michael Riley finds him, and he's just he's making plays. Uh, and yeah. the other the other thing that jumps out to me for Saskatchewan is, no disrespect to Micah Tights, but he feels kind of Sam Hurlish. Where it's like they, they have him in that spot and he's Canadian and he's making plays, but obviously he was not the A plan because Larry Dean was there. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but based on where Saskatchewan started, like the Dion Lacey alongside Larry Dean and uh, AJ Handy or whoever was going to play at that Sam linebacker spot, I actually feel more comfortable with what BC has just because I know them more. Like I know okay, what, yeah. what Anthony Chiaffi is about, and I I think I know what Jordan Williams is about from scouting him in East Carolina, although he's been waiting forever to play a game. And Bola combo is Bola combo and I think we understand that. Backed up by Ben Plattock. And it'll be fun to see that depth chart come out uh tomorrow. Actually, it will be uh, when we're taping this on Wednesday night. It should be coming out 48 hours out, kind of thing. So uh, I'm um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what the linebacking groups do in that game. And I can't believe that I actually feel more comfortable with BC's because I shouldn't honestly, based on where we started training camp, but man, training camp feels like a long time ago that Larry Dean had the Achilles. It,
1: it really does. Uh, I, it's nice. You bring up lucky whitehead, a guy who burned the riders in preseason 19 and then turned out to be not much of anything. His fit in BC to me is so interesting because who comes off the field or moves to a different spot to facilitate lucky whitehead going in there does he go in in the way that the riders use kyron moore that two two to the field guy hit screens and all the short targets are his and occasionally will run him down the field well that would bump lamar durant to a spot that lamar yeah. if lamar's not that wide, okay well now he has responsibilities in blocking and that sounds bad or do they is that because they go two by two and Shaq johnson comes off the field but if you're running screens to him you want three on that side i'd I, you're not taking Burnham off the field, and you can't have Dominic Rhymes because that's the deep threat within that offense. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just really curious to see how they're able to get Whitehead in there, and is he is he Kyron Moore light or is he Kyron Moore the equivalent of that in 996 yards in a season? Because he was, it just seemed like Whitehead was found out in 2019. Went, oh, okay, well, if we don't let you beat us 75 yards on a post, what have you got? No, you've got the skill set that's replaced by Janarian Grant.
0: Right, right. Uh, who is the running back in BC? I'm blanking right now. Trying Shaq to Cooper. Yes, it is Shaq Cooper. Came over from Edmonton. But I'm imagining a formation. This is actually something that I would like to see from them in week one. Is, you know, ball on the left hash, let's say. And it's Brian Burnham isolated into the boundary. One receiver. And you're going with Shaq Cooper in the pistol out behind Mike Riley. And then to the field side, uh, as like an H-back, it's David Mackey. And then in a, uh-huh. a, a trips bunch to the field where Lucky Whitehead is the inside, and it's like a little bubble out of a bunch where mm, out, front, yeah. out front you've got Javon Katoy steamrolling people um <laughs> on the on that, and maybe you even go play action away, like play action into the boundary with David Mackey scooping the backside and looking like he's gonna lead out front. And then Michael Riley flips his hips and throws it backside to the field to Lucky Whitehead with Katoy out in front blocking. It's just I yeah. think when you start to figure out the skill set of those guys I think that's something that they could have some success with is plays like that where you just get the ball on the edge to Lucky Whitehead get big people out in front of blocking them and you know you release some athletic younger offensive linemen like Riker Matthews into space as well on a play like that and see if you can pick up some yardage with Lucky so uh, it'll be a fun one for sure and again make sure you're listening to DT on Friday night on uh, CKRM for that Toronto at Calgary I'm gonna make this one super simple McLeod Bethel-Thompson on first down, and I do think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to start at this point. I'm just saying that because I have a gut feeling about it. I could be completely wrong. Nick Arbuckle just seems like he's missed too much time. I've watched enough football throughout training camps in the past where when a QB misses X amount of days, I just kind of assume that they're not going to throw him in there to the Sharks and see how it goes. Um, But I do think McLeod Bethel-Thompson from 2019, one of the most aggressive vertical throwers on first down. Will that continue or was that a product of them being a bad football team with him constantly chasing? That's something I have my eye on is how much do they want to throw vertically on first down with McLeod Bethel Thompson with that receiving group that they have that is vastly improved. Shout out to Dijon Percet, by the way. I hope he has a big first game in the CFL because he is an exciting player. And then the other one for me is... Bo Levi battling against the Toronto pass rush. Like if Shane, if Shane Ray's in the backfield and um, you got Charleston Hughes in the backfield, reintroducing himself to Bo. I'm not saying that Calgary offensive line is bad. I just think that they are reshaped at this point. I don't know what they are, but if Bo ends up on his back two, three times in the first quarter, how does Bo handle that? How does Dave Dickinson handle that? How does the play calling change? How do they evolve throughout the game? To me, This is going to be of the first four games of the CFL season. The the most important in-game alterations will be made in Toronto, Calgary, because coming out of the gates, they assume that they know each other. They know so much about it. There's so many players on both sides that know things about Calgary. Toronto is a team that is built around energy, enthusiasm, and promise. And Calgary is a team that's trying to hold on to the way that they do things. And that's a collision course that's going to require somebody to budge and somebody to change in the middle of the game.
1: Yeah. What what if Bo has to throw away the ball on first and 10 and then throw away one on second and 10? Teddy escapes the pressure, but has to throw it away. He's going to come off the field going, what's happening here? And Hoff and Dickinson, and I get it. Anybody, anybody's a Calgary fan, I get it. Track record, everything. I get it. Ryan Stever was fine last year. Sean McEwen, stud. Uh, I've had people tell me, you can Williams, now that he's out to tackle, is going to be awesome. Uh, that does not mean that t- this team is without questions uh, because they now at right tackle, I guess they'd plan to use Neela Casatati, who by my count averaged more quarterback pressures allowed by a tackle than anybody that wasn't Boyko in 2019. Uh, they don't even get Casatati because he retired. So Julian good Jones. I, I know nothing about him, same. but if he was a choice behind Neela Casatati for the coaching staff, I feel like I know something uh, about him uh, and Justin Lawrence uh, all the best to you at left guard, but you're replacing real good one in Shane Bergman. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the body type for Justin Lawrence is, uh, I mean, he's a bowling ball. He's strong as all hell. He won the bench press at the combine back a couple of years ago. So he's got lower body strength and all the rest, but can that's he, good. can he anchor against uh, you know, a, a Cordero law type. Right. Um, and I think that's what the challenge is going to be in this game is just the it's almost like you me and Dupree where you Dupree talks about throwing seven different types of smoke are you going to (laughs) be able to defend the seven different types of smoke that you're going to get from the Argos defensive line their pass rush remains to be seen that's going to be an entertaining one and see how they evolve. last game of the weekend is uh, 10 p.m. on Saturday evening. It is the Ottawa Red Blacks at the Edmonton Elks. It's going to be a party in Edmonton. I hope everybody is safe and is smart and all the rest because we don't want COVID to factor in amongst the fans as much as we don't want to factor in amongst the teams. With that being said, I hope everybody goes out, supports the Elks, uh, celebrates the new brand, the new logo, gets their T-shirt and all the rest. What do you want people to focus on in the fourth and final game of week one?
1: James Wilder Mm. Jr. at running back for the Elks last season in Toronto uh 1.3 yards before contact it's the lowest number I have in my database of yards before contact he got hit immediately and sure CJ Gable's numbers in 19 weren't any better which would predicate oh this problem might be some problems with Edmonton 2019 but if Wilder gets a bit of blocking and has had a taste of Reality, let's say that I my favorite proposition wager in the offseason was James Wilder 20 to 1 to win the rushing title. I don't think he's the favorite, but if the Elks are as good as I think they are and they're going to be running the ball a lot in the fourth quarter, we could be all getting wilder and, <laughs> and having the conversation in 2022 of who is a thousand to thousand on the table for the Elks running back, James Wilder. I'm really curious to see how much Wilder. How much space and time he has before that first contact by a defensive player and maybe Ottawa's not the best team to judge anything by, but that's what we get in week number one. And the second thing I'm looking for is just how high the scoreboard goes (laughs) at Commonwealth Stadium, because this should not be close. Uh, We've talked extensively about uh, my perceptions of Ottawa's relative skill player for player to other teams Edmonton should and by the way if you want to add a little drama to it it's Jamie Elizondo against the team that said Jamie quit on us
0: yes like
1: he is going to want to old school pinball that scoreboard like it Marsh if if we get to Saturday night and I text you go can you believe the Elks are up 50 in this game You're going to text back, yes, I actually can. Because Elizondo is going for the throat. That wouldn't surprise me a bit. This could be the 60-1 to Calgary over Hamilton of a few years back.
0: Uh, You know what it honestly reminds me of? I heard the other day that the Western Mustangs right now do not have a football game scheduled for their homecoming weekend. And the reason for that is that uh, Ryan Shane, who's the head coach of the Guelph Griffins, refused to move a game. Well, Ryan Shane, of course, is the son of Pat Shane, who was the head coach of the Queens Gales, Pat Shane and Greg Marshall, the head coach of Western, not huge fans of each other Queens and Western great rivalry. So cool. it's, it's kind of like the old, uh, you know, George W. Bush decides to go into Iraq because George HW Bush went into Kuwait. It's like, I'm going to do something good for daddy. Uh, that seems to have happened. And I had this conversation with somebody who said, Yes, yeah, so Greg Marshall is pissed. And they have to play the game like on a Friday night of their own homecoming weekend at Guelph. And I said, dear God, how high does the scoreboard go? <laughs> because Whoa. I was like, Western is going to try to score a billion points in that game. And I'm with you. Like, that's how this is going to feel, I think, for Edmonton. If they get into a role early on, for me, this is, and I, I might have to, <laughs> you know, start to come up with some labels for these because I've said that, you know, the the game that has the most in-game um i would say adjustments that are going to be made is toronto calgary i think the game where the crowd is going to factor into it the most is saskatchewan bc and the game for me that i circle as the crazy stat line game is ottawa edmonton and i got a pretty good feeling it's going to be on the edmonton side offensively that the, and again i don't know if it's going to be james wilder jr i don't know if it's going to be dural walker trevor harris is trevor going to throw to everybody have eight people catch passes and throw for 400 i don't know But I do get the sense that there's going to be some sort of wacky stat line that's going to come out of that one. And hey, if you're playing CFL fantasy and you hit on the right player that goes crazy and has that wacky stat line that opens everybody's eyes across the league. I love week one in football because week one in football never makes any sense. And there's always one or two performances that are either completely out of context or they open your eyes to how the season's about to go. Edmonton, Ottawa is that game. They are going to have that moment. They're going to have that stat line. And if I had to bet, it, it would be Trevor Harris. I just think Trevor's going to spray it all over the place. He's got complete command of the offense. He's got a bunch of really good skill position guys. I could see him just having an absolutely stupid game that we're looking at after week one and going, okay, they're here. The Edmonton is for real.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's this week. I don't know. The 500-yard passing game in the CFL this, week, this year is this week, Ottawa, Edmonton, or... Week nine, Edmonton at Ottawa. Like <laughs> Elizondo going back to Ottawa and just wiping his feet on the rug as he leaves, like, I'm, I'm up. Uh Yeah, I, I just think this is all Edmonton. And it, this would be – it was shocking how Ottawa started 2019, that four-interception game in which they beat Calgary. If Ottawa wins this game, I will be way more shocked than I was – well, I'll be a little more shocked than I was at that, just considering what I believe about this – and the emotion going into it on the Edmonton side.
0: Yes, I'm with you on all of that. That is going to do it for us here on The Breakdown this week. Make sure that you are following my guy, Derek Taylor, at DT on SC. Check him out on Friday evening coming up on CKRM, and of course, throughout the week on the Sports Cage, always doing a great job on there. Thank you to our partners, as always. If you want to be heard on the field with the Fox 40 Sonic Blast CMG, You can go ahead and get it, fox40shop.com. Use that promo code CFP15 at checkout. They say here in the ad uh, read that it's got 120 decibels of sound power, the uh, the Fox 40 Sonic Blast CMG. Even if you blew it at Regina on Friday night, I don't think you'd be able to hear the whistle, unfortunately. But we'll see. Hey, the best officials in the world right now in the CFL getting ready to use all those Fox 40s in their games and uh, in the crowd in Saskatchewan. They will definitely be needing them. And don't forget get yourself some ice cold beer as well from our good friends at sodacitybeer.com and of course use the promo code CFL get yourself some free shipping going forward here into week number one of the CFL season that's it for us follow us at CF Perspective of course we've got the YouTube channel up and running going to have some fun stuff on there subscribe to the podcast feed we got some different unique things coming throughout the weekend as well as we head right into week number one of the Canadian Football League season don't that sound nice DT oh so good